Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you? All right, it's good to see you here. I'm glad you're here today. Thank you for coming. We are in a series that we started about three weeks ago called Love Is, and this is based on the, the love chapter in the Bible from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And so I'm excited uh, that you're here today. Uh, as we started out this series, we talked about how Paul talked about love uh, is a difference maker, okay? It, that if you don't have love, all that you say, it doesn't matter. All that you know, it doesn't matter. All that you believe, it doesn't matter. All that you give doesn't matter. All that you accomplish doesn't matter. None of those things matter if you and I don't have love in our heart. And then we began describing what this kind of love is. And we started out by talking about how love is patient. Love is patient. How many of you got a chance to exercise patience this past week? Okay, how many was it with the person sitting right next to you? Raise your hand, okay? And so love is patient. Today we're talking about how love is kind. I heard this story this past week about a lady. She, had, she was cashing her uh, refund check, and she had all this money on her, which she wasn't accustomed to carrying around with her. And she was standing out on the corner waiting for the bus to come, and she was a little bit nervous because off to the side there was this guy that, you know, he wasn't you know, dressed that well, and she was a little bit suspicious of him, and so she was a little bit nervous. And then all of a sudden this guy walks over to him, and and hands him some money, and he whispers in his ear. And she thought, wow, that was kind. That was really nice. And I feel so embarrassed that I've been kind of suspicious, and, and I, I probably ought to do that too. So she pulled out a $20 bill, and she went over, and she whispered in the guy's ear. She gave him $20, and she whispered, never despair, never despair. And so the next day, she's standing in the bus line again, and she's, she's waiting for the bus, and there's the guy. Now, this time, he approaches her. He approaches her, and he gives her $220, and she says, what's that for? He said, she said, lady, you won. You won. He'd never despair. Won by a nose. <laughs> Ten to one. You never know. You never know. There is a point. There is a point to the story. And the point is, you know, sometimes, you know, you're trying to be kind to somebody. You never know how that kindness is going to come back and reward you, right? And so, so be kind uh, to, to people. So, so what, is, what is kindness? What is kindness? Kindness is simply love in action. It's love in action. We're talking about these different descriptors of, of what love is all about. And so when, when Paul says love is patient, well, if you're a patient person, then, then that's an indication that you're a loving person. If you're a kind person, that's an indication that you are a loving person. Because I could talk to a lot of you and say, would you describe yourself as a loving person? And a lot of you would say, yeah, I'm a loving person. But if I were to ask you, are you kind to people? And you say, well, I kind of have a hard time. Are you patient with people? Well, no, I really don't have that much patience. Well, then I would suggest maybe you're not as loving as you think you are because love is patient. Love is kind. So how many of you are going to be more patient this week with people in your life? Yes. How many of you are going to exercise more kindness to people this week? Yes, yes, you are. Yes, you are, aren't you? Somebody say, yes, I am. Yes, I am. And so Jesus one time had a guy to come up to him and ask a question that you and I are so familiar with, this story where this, it was a lawyer. And a lawyer came up to ask Jesus one time. He says, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus says, well, the most important commandment is to love God. Love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And then he says, uh, the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. 
So this lawyer, you know, he wanted to defend himself. He wanted to justify himself. And he's probably really pompous and he's probably arrogant and condescending. He probably goes, hmm, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? So he's thinking, because all he wants to do is trick Jesus. He wants to, you know, deceive Jesus into saying something that, so he can discredit him. So he's like, well, who's my neighbor? And so Jesus then tells this story. He tells this amazing story that you and I are so familiar with. He says, the story goes like this. This guy gets up one day. It's a day like any other day, only this day he's going to make the trip from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Jericho is about 20 miles away from Jerusalem. It's downhill all the way. And so it's not a difficult trip at all, but it's, it's dangerous. It's a dangerous journey because it's a windy, curvy road and, and it's, it's narrow. And thieves would hide behind rocks and in little caves and they would jump out at would-be suspects and just beat them and steal stuff from them. So this guy is on his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and sure enough, that's what happens. This guy is pounced upon by, by these guys. They jump out from behind rocks or a cliff, and they pounce on the guy, and they beat him half to death, and then to, to add in, in, you know, insult to injury. Is that the way it goes? Insult to injury? They, they ripped his clothes, and they took his clothes and left him there naked, and he's now bleeding, and he's dying on the side of the road in the hot desert sun. And so a few minutes go by and somebody comes near the guy and, and he, he senses somebody's there. He probably can't see who it is. And, and maybe through the blood in his eyes, he catches a glimpse that, ah, oh, it's a priest, it's a priest. Oh, thank you, God, a priest comes along. Well, no sooner does he thank God that this priest comes along that the priest disappears. Leaves him, just leaves the bleeding guy on the side of the road and, and takes off. Within a few more uh, moments go by. We don't know how long, but another guy comes along. and it's a, it's a Levite, okay? The Levites were of the tribe of Levi, which is where we get Levi genes. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. And so, so this Levite comes along, and, and so, you know, that now, you know, he comes, he takes a look at the guy, and, and he, he thinks, I want nothing to do with him. And so he, too, he just keeps on going. Well, then a third guy comes, and by now, I can only imagine this guy has been laying there a while. He's beaten half to death. The sun has been bearing down on him. I'll bet he's so, so zapped of his strength and energy, he probably doesn't even realize, doesn't even sense that this guy gently puts his hand under the guy's head. He lifts it off that hard, rocky road and probably cradles his head in his, in his arms, and, he, and he's kind of talking to him, and the, and the guy is probably trying to say something, and, and and this rescuer, he probably goes, shh, 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 you need to conserve your energy, just conserve your strength, conserve your strength. And, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he bandages the guy's wounds and he, and he cleans the blood off of him. And then he puts the guy on, on his own donkey and then he steadies him as he walks him down toward Jericho, takes him to one of these inns and he, and he prays the guy and he says, here, Take care of this guy, put him up, take care of him. And if this isn't enough money, when I come back through in a few days on my way back up to Jerusalem, I'll pay the difference. And so then Jesus looks at this guy who'd asked the question, well, who's my neighbor? So Jesus says, okay, there's the story. Now you tell me, who was the neighbor? Who was the neighbor to this, this man who was bleeding and dying on the road? And, and so the lawyer says, well, obviously it's the person who cared for the man who was bleeding and dying. And then Jesus says, 
Go do the same thing. Just go do the same thing. You see, what Jesus is helping us to see is that being a neighbor has nothing to do with geography. It has everything to do with opportunity. Has everything to do with opportunity. And as Jesus told this story, what he's doing is he's helping us to see that there are different ways people look at the world. There's different ways people look at people. And whether or not you're going to be kind to them or not. And so I want you to think about this for a moment today. How do I look at people? How do I see people? Because this is what I see in this story. With the priest, this is what he saw when he saw people. He saw them as a problem to be avoided. A problem to be avoided. Now, there are people today. That's their perspective on people. I don't want anything to do with people because they're a problem to be avoided. In Luke chapter 10, verse 31, it says this man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Robbers attacked him. They stripped him. They beat him, left him half dead. So just so happens a priest was coming down that road. When he saw the man, what did he do? He walked on by on the other side. Walked on by. On the other side, can you imagine that? Can you imagine anybody doing that? And so here's the priest. He's walking down the road. He looks maybe 50 feet, 60 feet, maybe 100 feet down the road. He sees, oh, gosh, there's some guy beat up on the side of the road. And what does he do? He walks off to the other side of the road, and then he just walks right on by, walks right on by the guy, just leaves him. Can you imagine somebody doing that? Somebody who would do that, they have the opinion, they have the perspective that people, you know what? They're a problem, and you need to avoid them. People are a problem that you need to avoid. You can't trust people. If you, if you try to help somebody, you know what they're going to do? All they're going to do is use you. All they're going to do is take from you. All they're going to do, you can't trust them. You just can't trust them. How many of you have ever trusted someone only to have been taken? Raise your hand. Yeah, oh my gosh, everybody, everybody knows what I'm talking about. And so all you have to do is get burned one time, maybe twice, and you say, people, you can't trust them. You can't trust them. I remember probably 25 years ago now, uh, I was over at the health club, and uh, I was sitting back in the health club and, and, and the, uh, in the sauna, and I struck up a conversation with this guy. The guy told me he just got back from the army. In fact, I believed him because he had dog tags on. And uh, he told me, he says, my uncle is a pastor right here in this community. And uh, he told me the name of the church and he told me the name of the pastor. I said, really? I know him. He's a great guy. He said, yeah, it's my uncle. Just got back from the army. And he says, I'll play the trumpet. I just moved back in the neighborhood. I'll play the trumpet and, and all that. I don't play professionally, but, but you know, I, I played in my uncle's church from time to time. I said, seriously? I said, I'm, I just moved here about a year or so ago. I'm starting a church. I'd love to have you come out. And, and play the trumpet in my church. In fact, why don't, let me, I tell you what, let's ask, after we leave the club here, I'll drive you out to where we're meeting. So he gets in my car, and we drive out to the Pleasant Valley Grade School, just right over here, and, uh, and I showed him where we were meeting. I said, we start on Sunday morning. Service time starts about 9.30. I'll look for you, and I'll have you play the trumpet this Sunday. I'm saying, because I'm, I'm desperate. Okay, we're starting a church. I don't like trumpets necessarily, but hey, if you play the trumpet, <laughs> come on out and play. 
come on out and play. And so I tell you what, on the way back to the club, let's stop by my house and I'll introduce you to my wife. And so I said, come on in, let me introduce you to my wife. So she comes in, I introduce her, him to my wife, and, and then I, we stopped by TCBY on the way back. And I remember he liked strawberry milkshakes. And, and so I remember all these details about what was going on. So that's the story. Now, what I didn't tell you was somewhere along the line that day, I couldn't find my wallet. Don't know what happened to it. Wasn't sure. Couldn't find it. Just disappeared. I figured I must have left it somewhere. Hopefully nobody stole it or whatever. Well, 4 a.m. in the morning that day, 4 a.m. in the morning, I was awakened with a phone call. And it was the police on the other end of the phone. And the police said, is this George Powell? And I said, well, yes, it is. And they says, do you know such and such? I said, well, yeah, I, I just met him today. Just met him this afternoon. In fact, he's a trumpet player. He's going to come play the trumpet in my church this, this next week. They said, well, guess what? He has your wallet. And we, we caught him trying to use your credit card. I said, seriously. And, and so his next question was, do you want to press charges? Do you want to press charges? And, and so let me ask you guys before I tell you what I did. How many of you would say, yeah, I want to press charges? How many of you would press charges? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you are saying, yeah, give the sucker what he deserves, yeah, okay. And, and how many of you are saying, I don't think so, I don't, I'm not sure I would. How many of you are saying, no, I don't think I would? Okay, about half and half, we've got split, those of you playing the game. Well, uh, I'm not even going to tell you what I did. No, I did, I didn't press charges, I, and the police said, you know, I really don't want to press charges, and he says, well, if you don't, we're just going to have to let him go. I said, ah, I'm a pastor, I can't be before, you know, I just moved to the start of church. I can't be pressing charges on people. Just, you know, I forgive the guy and all that stuff. But I'll never forget the story. And, and, and it made me think, how, you know, how you got to be careful about who you trust. Why? Because people, they're a problem. They're a problem to be avoided. And, and, so, and so I can go, I can go through life now. You can't trust anybody. You can't trust anybody anymore, especially people in health clubs. You, know, you got to watch out <laughs> for those people. And so that's, that's this guy, the, the priest, he's kind of like, you know, he's just a problem and I'm going to avoid that problem. Some people go through life that way. And now, especially since we have caller ID, it's so convenient, right? It's like, oh, hmm, I don't want to talk to her. Just let that ring, just let that go to voicemail, okay? Because I know she's a problem or he's a problem and it's just going to be, he's just going to want something. And, and so... Some people, that's the way they look at people. The, the other guy, the, the, the Levite, he looked at people as a predicament that's not my concern. It, you know, he's just a predicament. It's his problem. It's not my concern. I don't want to concern myself with his predicament. In, in verse 32, in the same way, a Levite came also down this road. And when he, when he went over and looked at the man, then he walked on by on the other side. Now, I want you to notice the difference here. When the priest, he looked down the road and he saw this guy maybe 50, 60, 75 feet away. He kind of walked over to the other side of the road and then just walked on by. But the Levite, now when he saw the guy, he said, hmm, wonder who that is. And so he walks down and, and looks and, oh, poor thing you. Too bad. Tough luck. And it goes on and goes on. Now, let me ask you a question. Which one was the worst? First or the second? Both. Yeah, yeah, both. Probably both. I mean, it's hard to say which one of these was a bigger scumbag, right? 
Because, I mean, one just kind of pleads ignorance and the other pleads apathy. One says, I don't want to know. The other says, now that I know, I don't want to be concerned. I'm, I'm apathetic. You know, which reminds me of the two freshmen. They, they, were in, they were in class, first day of high school. They were freshmen. And the teacher comes in, she writes in the class. She looks at the class and she writes on the board, you're going to fail this class based on one of two things, ignorance or apathy. And one freshman looked at the other and says, what's ignorance? And where's, where's apathy? And the other guy says, I don't know, and I don't care. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for laughing at my joke, because it's horrible. I know it's horrible. It's horrible. But the priest is kind of like, you know what? I don't want to know what his problem is, because I've already concluded people are problem to avoid. I don't even want to know. The Levite is like, yeah, I think I'll take a look. Huh? Okay, now that I've looked, huh, who cares? And go on. They're rubberneckers. They're people, they go through life and they, you know, people are predicaments. They got their predicaments and I don't want to get concerned with that. I don't want to be bothered with that. And so they go through life that way too. And so we'll look at life one of two ways, or maybe we might look at it the third way. And that's the way the, 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 the Samaritan looked at it as a fellow pilgrim in need of help. And I love this about this guy. In, in verse 33, chapter 10 in Luke, it says, But the Samaritan who was traveling that same way, he came upon the man, and when he saw him, it says his heart was filled with pity. Now, this is the Samaritan. Of all the people who would have stopped and helped, he would be the least that you would think. He'd be the last that you would think would stop and help because he's a Samaritan and he's a half-breed. And the Jews absolutely hated the Samaritans, wanted nothing to do with them, nothing, nothing to do with them. And, and, and he's the one who probably, to be real honest, had, had this guy been in a position, he probably would have beat the Samaritan up himself. They were so despised. But now here he is helping this person. So I have to ask myself the question. As I, as I walk through life, as I, as I walk down the roads of life, and I look at people, I look at the world, and I, and I think about kindness, how do I look at people? Do I look at people as, you know what? Honestly, people are just a problem, and you need to avoid them. Or do I go through life thinking, you know, you know, people are a predicament. You know, he's got his predicament. She's got her predicament. Honestly, I don't care, and I don't want to be involved. I think I'll just walk on past them. Or do you look at people as, you know what, with fellow pilgrims on this highway, on this journey called life, and maybe next time it'll be me in need of help. And so I'm going to help this person. Which are you? How do you see people? Do you see people as you can't trust them? Because I've been burned. I've been burned more than once. And so I'm going to quit helping people. I'm just, you know what? You just, you can't even trust church people anymore. I'm not going to help them. And it can taint who you are. It can, and it can keep you from being kind to people. It, it keeps you from putting yourself out there. So how do you and I become kind people? Because, again, kindness is love in action. So how do we become people who could be characterized as being kind? Let me suggest to you four things. They're really simple, but they're not as easy as they sound. Here's the first one. Look for opportunities. Look for opportunities to be kind because kindness always begins with the eyes. 
Kindness always begins with you and me being able to observe what's going on around us and look for and see the opportunities that come our way basically every day because honestly, the opportunities to be kind to people are virtually endless. In Luke chapter 10, verse 33, when he, what's that word? When he what? He saw, when he saw the man's condition, circle that word saw, when he saw this man. You see, you and I have a choice And based on this story, you and I have a choice. When we see people, when we see situations, when we see opportunities, we can either see them as problems to avoid, as predicaments, I don't want to be involved, or this is a fellow pilgrim and I can help this person. And I have to see the opportunities. But if you're like me, it can be really easy to miss opportunities. You know, I, I, keep, I keep telling you that whenever I preach on a topic, that God always gives me the opportunity to practice it the week before. So like when I preach on patience, you know, something's going to happen that's like my computer crashed and, and, and I had a really good opportunity to practice patience. This past week, I had an opportunity to express kindness to someone and I almost missed it. I came this close, this close to missing it. Let me tell you this story. My wife and I were sitting out at Petite Patisserie this past Friday, uh, just two days ago, and we were having a cup of coffee. We're going to have company coming around at 6 o'clock that afternoon, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I know that I need to get my yard barked. I need to get some mulch spread around because it's looking kind of ratty and all of that, so I need to do that. I'm going to see if I can't get some bark delivered to my yard this morning so that I can get that stuff spread out. So I began, I got on the phone, I called a couple places, and I found somebody who they say, yeah, we can probably get it to you. So we went home real quick and I got some bark from my neighbor's yard because they just she just got hers barked and got to keep up with the Joneses and wanted to make it look like hers. And so I took some, drove out to Boring and, and it kind of matched it up. And, and I said, can you get it to me pretty quick? We could have it to you by from 12 to 2. I said, okay, can you get it there by 12? Because I got company coming and I got to get this stuff spread. And they said, we'll get it as quick as we can. So I rushed home and I mowed the lawn. Then I edged the lawn. And by the time I did that, here comes the truck and it, and it dumps, dumps the, the bark there in the, in the yard. So now I'm starting to spread this stuff. And, and I'm about halfway through the backyard when all of a sudden here comes this guy walking up the street and he says, hey, you need any help? Now, let me pause the story there for just a moment. I've seen this guy before. In fact, I've watched him. I'll sit in my living room. I'll sit back in my chair where I, you know, read and look at TV. And I'll look out the window, and I kind of see who's driving by and who's walking by. And sure enough, I see this guy there. Oh, there he goes again. There he goes. Mm-hmm. Oh, there he's going back now. wonder who he is. Because, honestly, he looks kind of like a homeless guy. And, and I watch him, you know, and there he is again. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wonder what's up with this guy. I wonder who his story is. Well, anyway, so he comes up to me, and he says, hey, you need any help? And this is where I almost missed it. I almost missed it. I, I looked at him and said, no, no, I'm okay. I, I can, I'm, I'm okay. I can do it by myself. Besides, I only have one wheelbarrow. It's kind of a one-man job, and um, no, I think I'll be okay. In my mind, I need help, but you know what? I'm cheap. Because I'm thinking all he wants me to do is pay him. All he wants is money. And, and, and so I'm thinking, I don't want to pay this guy to be helping me. And, and so, so he starts to walk away. And, and this is where I almost missed the opportunity because I'm cheap. Because I'm cheap. And, and I said, hey, Bill. And his name's not Bill. I said, Bill, Bill, come here. Come here. How much would you charge me? He said, whatever you want. Whatever you want. I said, 20 bucks? And he said, 
20 bucks. That'll, that'll work. I said, okay. So he said, I'll go get my wheelbarrow. So the next hour and a half to two hours, we, we worked and we spread the bark. And honestly, I would not have finished, wouldn't have got it done in time had it not been for Bill who came along to help me. So I go inside and get, you know, get in some water. My wife says, how much are you paying him? I said, 20 bucks. She says, 20 bucks? Is that all you're paying him? You're cheap. You know? <laughs> My gosh. You know, and so, okay, okay. She said, give me at least 30 bucks. So I gave him 30 bucks. And, and, and so now, you know, we've kind of struck up this friendship. I know who he is. I'm going to kind of keep an eye out for this guy because now when he comes back along again, I'm going to say, hey, I'm thinking, well, you want to mow my grass for like uh, every week because I don't have time to do this. Maybe I could pay him. But what I'm saying is I almost missed the opportunity to be kind. You know, he, was, he needed help, and I knew he needed help, but I almost missed the opportunity to be kind even though walked up to me and looked me in the face. And I almost missed an opportunity to be kind to someone. Because why? Because I'm cheap. And so I, I, he helped me. We had a great time, got to know the guy. And, and, and honestly, you know, it's like, come on, George, there are opportunities all around you to be kind. You've got to look. You've got to keep your eyes open. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look out. Look, everybody say, look out. Look out for the good of others. Look out. for the. Everybody say it again, look out. Look out for the good of others. My gosh, don't be so cheap, George. Come on. And, and so I, I need to do that. In Galatians, it says the person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, harvests a crop of weeds. All they have to show for his life is weeds. I don't want that. I don't want to be selfish. I want to, I want to be kind to people. And if it costs me a little bit of money, pay the money. It cost me time, whatever. So I'm going to ask you guys a question at the end of every one of these. And here's the first question. Am I willing to see? Am I willing to see? You see, if you want to be a kind person, you have to be willing to see the opportunities. Most of you probably don't have any trouble with your eyesight. The question is, am I willing to be kind? Am I willing to be kind to the people that God brings into my pathway virtually every single day. There's opportunity. Here's the second. Listen with understanding. Listen with understanding. In Luke chapter 10, verse 33, his heart went out to him. His heart went out to him. He felt the compassion. In the New American Standard, it says he felt compassion. He felt the compassion. Just finished reading uh, a few weeks ago, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And he made this statement. He talked about next to physical survival, the greatest need of a human being is psychological survival. He says to be understood, to be affirmed, to be validated, and to be appreciated. He says that's the greatest need. And so what I'm talking about is listen with understanding. Listen with understanding. Everybody say understanding. Now, again, probably if I were to ask most people, if I were to ask you, because I ask groups this all the time, do you think you're a good listener? Most people say, yeah, I'm a pretty good listener. I'm a pretty good listener. But if you listen in on conversations, people really aren't that good of listeners as they think they are. Because what people do is they tend to listen, not with the intent of understanding, but they listen with the intent of responding. 
And so what happens is while you're talking to me and because I want to look smart or because I want to defend myself, if it was a conflicting situation, then what I'm doing, I'm not really listening to you at all. What I'm doing is formulating what I'm going to say. You, you watch yourself. I guarantee you do it all the time. I do it. I'm really trying to work against that to where quit thinking about what you're going to say. Quit, you know, being so insecure and like you've got to look smart so and all that stuff. And, and really listen with the uh, desire to understand what this person is saying. Listen with the heart of understanding. Never let what you need to say get in the way of what needs to be heard. Because we do it all the time. We think, I've, I've got to get my words out. I'm so smart. I've got stuff to communicate here. Never let what you have to say get in the way of what needs to be heard. Because there are people in your life who need to be heard. Yeah, I, I, I challenge you, go out this week and just listen in on conversations. Because you know what people do a lot of? They, they project their story into other people's story. And many times for the purpose of topping their story. For example, you might come up to me and say, guess what, George? We just got back from Maui. Man, it was awesome. And so I'm going to project my story into their story. Huh. <laughs> We've been to Maui. We've been there once. We really didn't care for it that much. In fact, we kind of like Mexico better. In fact, we went to, Cabo, uh, we went to uh, Costa Rica not too long ago. Oh, my gosh. It's such an amazing place. I'd never go back to Maui. You mark my word. You listen. In fact, I'll bet you catch yourself doing it. I'll bet you'll catch yourself doing it. And so what I'm talking about is to really be kind to people, listen with the heart of understanding because people need to be heard and people need to be understood. Listen with the heart of understanding. I love what James says in James chapter 119. In fact, look at it in the message. Go to the, go to the message version in James 1.19. He says, he says, post us on all the intersections, dear friend. I love this phrase. Lead with your ears and follow up with your tongue. Isn't that great? Don't you love that? Picture that. I mean, lead with your ears and follow up with your tongue. How much better would our relationships be if we would listen more and talk less? Wouldn't that be better? I guarantee you. You'd have better uh, marriages, you'd have better friendships, you'd have better relationships with your kids, all that stuff. And so here's the question for you. Am I selfless enough to understand? Am I selfless enough? And the reason I chose the word selfless is because what tends to happen is I'm selfish, and because I'm selfish, I'm really not listening to understand. I just want to get my point across. And so I have to be selfless. Here's number three. Lend a helping hand. Lend a helping hand. Lend a helping hand. In, in Luke chapter 10, verse 34, kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with medicine and bandaged them. You know, they say the best exercise for the heart is to kneel down and to help lift someone up. That's the best exercise for the heart. How many of you do cardiovascular exercise? Okay, that's good. That's good because it's good for your heart. But probably one of the best things you can do for your heart is to kneel down and help somebody else up in life. Lend a helping hand. How many of you agree with me? It's easier to pull a person down than it is to help them up. Isn't that true? Don't you think so? I, I need a volunteer. Justin, thank you. Would you thank you? I appreciate that. Would you come up here? 
Thank you, Justin. No, don't, don't come on the stage, though. No, get, 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 get off the stage. Come right over here, right over here, right over here. Now, Justin, I'm going to attempt to pull you up. You're going to attempt to pull. You know what he just said? Good luck. <laughs> and you're going to attempt to pull me down, okay? There we go. <laughs> okay, come on. <laughs> okay, good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. I, I purposefully picked somebody who looked a little bit weaker than me. And um, because I wanted to demonstrate that it's easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up. Now, obviously, he's a whole lot stronger than me. But, but the idea being, as we go through life, honestly, you and I, we can either lend a helping hand and help people up, or we can go through life and we can pull people down. You know which is easier to do? Pull people down. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. And, and I, what I'm saying is, if you want to be a kind person, be the kind of person who says, you know what, I'm going to go through life, and I'm going to, I'm going to keep my eyes open, I'm going to keep my ears open, I'm going to look, I'm going to listen for opportunities to help lift people up. Because I'm telling you right now, there are people all around you, all around you, all around you, who need to be lifted up. You know who got lifted up on Friday? I didn't lift up Bill. Bill lifted me up. Because he gave me the opportunity to help him. Now, I almost missed it. But I'm the one who was lifted up because he gave me the opportunity to help him. And so here's the question for you. Am I moved to get involved? Am I moved to get involved? Because sometimes, you know, our heart just doesn't get stirred by the brokenness of the people in our world. And we're not moved anymore. We, we become numb to the plight of people. I still have to ask myself, am I moved to get involved? And then here's number four. Let go of whatever it costs. Let go of whatever it costs. If you look there in Luke chapter 10, verse 34 and 35, you'll see that phrase. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two pieces of silver. In other words, he let go of whatever he needed to let go of in order to help the bleeding, dying person on the road. He let go of it. Now, here's the question. What do you need to let go of in order to help people, in order to be kind to people? What do you need to let go of? It's different for different people. Some of you maybe need to let go of suspicion. Some of you need to let go of distrust. Some of you maybe need to let go of fear. Some of you maybe need to let go of your time. Some of you perhaps need to let go of your money. What do you need to let go of in order to express kindness to the people that you see in your life and the people in your world? Let me suggest to you a way that you can exercise kindness in this church in, in a very short um, period of time. Coming up in the fall season, we're going to be uh, having a, a life group. We do these every fall season. And if you want an opportunity to really step out of your comfort zone, and, 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 and um, look for ways to care and to help and to lift people up, I challenge you to host one of our life groups this fall season. I challenge you to do that. Now, a lot of you have already done that. I challenge you to do it again. But if you've never done it before, I would challenge you to host a life group. All you need is two or three people. You don't need a ton of people, just two or three people. And, and open up your home. When, when I talk about hosting a life group, you know, I'm talking about having a heart for people, I'm talking about opening up your home or maybe a space, maybe meet in a coffee shop or something like that, serve a snack to people, 
and, and, and then talk about the video that we're going to provide. We're going to provide a video that we uh, produce a six-week curriculum. I'm going to be teaching a series through the, book of, uh, uh, through the life of Abraham for six weeks. And we've produced a video that goes with every week. And all you got to do is stick the, the DVD in the, in, the, in the player, play it, and then talk about it. How many of you think you could possibly do that? Yeah, no, nobody's raising their hand. Yeah, <laughs> nobody's saying, no, 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 he ain't going to sucker me into that. I want you to think about that. Think about it seriously. It'd be a great opportunity for you to help other people, to care for other people, to put yourself out there. Maybe cost you a little bit of your time, cost you a little bit of your emotional energy, cost you giving up your fear, cost you giving up your concern that I can't do this. You see, it costs. You never really care for other people without it costing you something. Now, what happens when you and I do that? When we start becoming kind to people, what happens? I was looking at these verses this morning, and then it struck me, oh, my gosh, here are two great benefits to kindness. Here's the first one in Proverbs 19.22. Kindness makes a man attractive. Kindness makes a man attractive. Now, I know we can, can probably substitute person, so why don't we say kindness makes a person attractive? So how many of you would like to be a little bit more attractive? Raise your hand. <laughs> sure, yeah. And so if you want to become a more attractive person, become a more kind person, you know? And, and they'll look and say, I don't know, something about him, something about her. Just, I'm just drawn to him or her. It's because kindness is attractive. And then listen to this next verse in Proverbs eleven seventeen: Your own soul is nourished when you are kind. Your own soul. You see, when you're kind to other people, it's your soul that is nourished. You know, when, when Bill came up and said, hey, you need any help? And I first said, no. And he started to walk away. And I said, no, come back. Come back, Bill. And I paid him to help me. It wasn't Bill who got help that day. It was me who got help that day. My soul was nourished, not just because he helped me spread bark dust. He helped me that day because he helped me to become a kinder person. He helped me to become a kinder person. And I almost missed it, but I felt good the rest of that day because I knew I helped this guy. Yes, he helped me, but, I, but he, he, helped, he helped me in, in, in more ways than I helped him with a few bucks. My soul was nourished. Your soul will be nourished when you're kind. You know what I want? I want people um, in this community to say about people at this church, you know what? Those people that go to that Abundant Life Church, they are the kindest people I've ever met on the face of the earth. They are so kind. And I hope that's true of us because whenever you and I are kind, it's a picture of Jesus. Did you know it's the kindness of God that draws you to him? It's the kindness of God that draws you to him. It's not his anger. It's not his wrath. But it's the kindness of God that draws us. And some of you right now, you're being drawn to God because you've never given your life to Jesus. And if something inside you is saying, I need to become a follower of Jesus, it's the kindness of God that draws you to him. And the greatest expression of his kindness was the giving of his son, Jesus, to pay for your sin on the cross. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head and close your eyes. And as we close out right now, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you've never been the recipient of God's kindness, his ultimate kindness, today you can make that decision. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a Bible expert. You don't have to get your act all cleaned up before you can respond to Jesus. In fact, he accepts you just as you are. 
And so if your desire today is to respond to the kindness of God by accepting his son, Jesus, then I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer after me to repeat this. And as I do each week, I'm going to invite everyone here who's ever made the decision to follow Jesus, if you'd also pray this prayer with me. So would you pray, Father in heaven, today I am so thankful for your kindness. Thank you for giving to me your only son so that I could have the forgiveness of my sin and the gift of eternal life. Today, I choose to follow Jesus, and I ask you, Jesus, to be my Savior and Lord. And I pray this in your name. Amen.